and just then to talk about this last week because I had heard so many people say that, that last week was rough. They said, Pastor, I had a bad week. And I said, you know what I did too, and, and, and my wife did too, and just, you know, work stuff was just hard on us, and people got frustrated, and, and I said, you know what, let's, let's call this what it is. This is an attack. And I'm so thankful that you guys prayed for us last week, because let me tell you something, we were under attack. And I think as Christian people, it's very important for us to recognize an attack for what it is. Come on. If you walk outside your house here in a few weeks and there's a massive wasp nest in your porch, what you going to do about it? You ain't going to sit there and look at it. You finna call Raid, okay? Uh, some, there's some videos online of people going up and just swatting those nests. I am not that saved, okay? I don't. Listen. But you're going to do something about it. And so, Christians, why? Do we sit here and watch Satan attack us and not do nothing about it? And so I'm so thankful that you guys were led of the Holy Spirit last week and called us down and, and prayed for us. Because let me tell you, it was, and I'm just testifying, man, things within a couple of hours got better for me. I'm serious. I had anxiety the whole time I was up here preaching. I had anxiety. I was worried. So You ever been so worried you can just feel it? It hurts almost. And when the people of God laid hands on, on us, listen, we're, we're leaders and we're pastors, but pastor's not the only one that knows how to pray for you. There's some prayer warriors in this house that I want praying for me, okay? You know what I'm saying? And, and when it's time to pray, I, I, a lot of times I just want to get out the way and get, let them take over because they are gifted in prayer. And let me just, let me just speak this uh, over you this morning. If, that's, if, if, if you're good at praying, we want you to be part of our prayer team. And come text me or call me or say something to me. Because when I pray, I stumble around and I, and I say the same thing over. I get nervous and, I, and I just, I'm not good at speaking that fast. A lot of times that's why I just pray in the spirit. But anyway, if you are a good prayer warrior, that is a gifting. And I believe it's a calling. And so don't, you, don't just sit on that. You, you pray for folks. Um, so this morning, a uh, couple of things before I jump into my message. Um, first of all, y'all look good. Y'all look real good. Okay, I'm excited. We got a we. Uh, y'all look good. I am so thankful you're here. You are not here on accident. You are not here um, anything other than on purpose. And I believe that God's got a word for you this morning. I believe that you matter this morning. That God has purpose and plan for your life. And I just want to speak that over you. Um, couple of things before I jump into this message. Uh, we're having a business meeting. Our annual business meeting is next Sunday evening at 6, okay? So um, come to that, and we're going we're gonna to elect a deacon and uh, just go over the business of the church. And uh, a lot of people say, ah, Pastor, do I have to go to that? Yeah, you got to go to that. Come on, man. Listen, uh, the, the funnest thing is when we're going out and we're ministering and we're loving on people and we're praying together and worshiping, but we also have to be stewards. Amen? And so that's, we're being stewards of, of what God has blessed us with. And so next Sunday night, 6 o'clock, business meeting. And um, anyway, come and, and help us be stewards. Also, um, men and, what is it called? Rendezvous? Women's, 
It used to be called Men's Retreat. Now they've changed it to Men's Advance. I said, I'm still calling Men's Retreat, okay? (laughs) Sisterhood. uh, Both of those are coming up quick in March. Um, Let me just testify for Men's Retreat. Um, I absolutely love Men's Retreat. It is so stinking fun, and you go down there and get refreshed. And I got very challenged. Last, Last year we went, and this guy was talking. There was a guy there that was so full of the Holy Spirit that he had five sons. Wow, okay. Could you imagine five sons? I don't think anybody in here has five sons. I have two sons, and I know what's fixing to happen. This dude has five. Four? Who has four? Wow. You have four. Mm. Come on. She almost made it to five. Come on. This dude had five sons, and he was talking about being a dad and parenting and conflict, and it was like eye-opening stuff. And he talked about things that I never even thought about before. And so, please, if you haven't thought about going to men's retreat, I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. And um, go with us. We'll take a good group. And listen, we're going to eat, and we're going to shoot skeet, and we're going to praise God. Come on. <laughs> I don't know how much, I don't know how, 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 I, can, uh, how I can advertise it different than that. Um, anyway, and then women's, uh, what they call it, sisterhood rendezvous. It's very similar to men's retreat. They go down there, and, and you guys shoot skeet and arrows. And they were like, y'all, let me tell you something, man. I saw some pictures. Men's retreat, we go down there to get fat, okay? We go down there and eat. It's people with, like, these, the biggest cauldrons of gumbo you've ever seen in your life. And you just don't ask what's in there, Sean. You just eat it. Come on. And that's what men's retreat, we go down there to get full of the spirit and full of the gumbo. Come on, somebody. I saw pictures from women's, from sisterhood. Bro, they was doing karate. They had, like, handguns. And I was like, whoa. What are they what is this? So anyway, y'all, uh, if you haven't, um, if you haven't gone, I really want you to try to go this year. It is so stinking fun, and it is so fulfilling, and it's just good. So let's jump into this. Uh, if you want to look at Genesis 27, we're not going to turn there for a little bit, but we're going to go there. That's where the uh, the majority of our of our text is going to be at this morning. But let me ask you a question, and you don't have to answer this. And wives, please don't answer this on behalf of your husband. But have you ever done something dumb? You ever, okay, see, I asked y'all not to answer. All right, new people, I promise this is a normal church. This is a real church, okay? Listen, have you ever done something and you thought, as soon as you did it, you thought, that was dumb. That was real stupid. That was real dumb. I know I have many times. That was dumb. And uh, so... Ask yourself this, though. You're thinking about that dumb thing you did. Let me ask you this. Did you learn from that dumb thing you did? My man said no. (laughs) Did you learn from that dumb thing you did? Because a mistake is actually the greatest teacher. Come on. Come on. A mistake is actually the greatest teacher. I remember... um, Brother Ross Aldridge had a pond. He still has it. And I went fishing there with my brother and my grandpa one day, and it was a hot summer day. And, and my grandpa said, son, do not go on the backside of this pond in those woods. And I thought, you're going to tell me not to go in them woods? So I went back there, and we were set upon by the angriest demonic mosquitoes I've ever seen in my life. 
it was y'all, it was the mosquitoes that hurt when they bite. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you get one that's got a big enough bite, it hurts, and it was billions of them. Man, we thought we finna die. Mistake. Don't do that. Learn from that. So now we learn. Hey, next time grandpa says don't go over somewhere, maybe don't go over somewhere. Okay? Pay attention. Um, my mom, when I would hurt myself, and I would be like, <laughs> you ever see somebody cry when they like wind up? <laughs> it was like that. I'd be crying like that. And she'd patiently wait, Elizabeth, till I was done. And she'd go, What did you learn? And I'm like, you're supposed to be compassionate. What did you learn? You know, what did you learn? Listen, discipline tells us not to do the dumb thing we just did again. Discipline tells us, hey, I took out that loan with an 18.9 APR, and that was dumb, uh, but I got, the, I got the Jeep I wanted. Discipline says, whoa, I'm not going to do that. I want that thing, but I don't want those consequences. Discipline says, let me wait. I love, uh, I heard someone say that you're an adult, not when you're 18, not when you're 30, not when you're 45. You're an adult when you can look at something you want and deny yourself that thing because it's not something you need. Come on. Come on. Am I allowed to say that? So we're talking about discipline. We're going to do this for a couple of weeks. Um, Discipline equals freedom. If you want to be free from some things in your life, discipline has to come into play. Come on. So last week we talked about, uh, we talked about how do we go forward. We talked about New Year, same you. Guess what? It's a new year, but you're the same person. It's a new year, but I still love a Twinkie. Come on. <laughs> Let me be honest. I love a box of Twinkies. Come on, Pastor Daphne. You know what I'm saying. Listen, so you have to make a plan, and you have to have action on that plan. You can't just make a plan, Jacob, and sit there. Come on, you played football. Coach, had a, he had a play, right? He had a plan, but if y'all all stood there at the line and said, huh? Coach's not going to be happy. All right, you have to have action on that plan, and action is discipline. Come on. Discipline can be action. It can be inaction. Discipline starts in your, in your brain, it goes to your heart, goes to all your arms and your legs, your fingies and your toes. Come on. Discipline. Discipline can be the thing that gives you freedom from a lot of things you are dealing with. Proverbs 12.1 says this, and I, when I read this, I thought, man, God, he wrote that just for me. Come on, you ever looking at the Bible and you're like, wow, that's... Put my picture next to that. Proverbs 12.1 says this. It says, to learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Ow. Solomon wrote some, he threw some heat in some of these Proverbs. To learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. Stupid. You know what stupid means? It means Ignorant. Ignorant. It is ignorant to hate correction. You must love discipline to learn. If you went to school, if you went to college or vocational school, you had to have discipline to get in those books. Come on. 
and study, or when you took that test, you get a big old fat what? F. And F don't mean fun in the educational system. You know what I'm saying? Fantastic. Come on. I accept that. Listen, discipline, come on, discipline breeds growth. Discipline cancels the sting of failure. Discipline gets us to both a mental and a spiritual, I like to say, sweet spot. You ever met somebody that just, you just kind of looked at them and you thought, man, they're more Christian than I am. Because they just was, they just, man, everything just clicked and they would pray. And, and that just, even the way they carried their Bible looked cool, you know. You know what that comes from, church family? Discipline. Discipline. I'm going to say that word a lot this morning because I want all of us to remember discipline. Discipline. When we've got little things, I, 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 I knew a gentleman one time that said, well, I got a couple of vices. What? I got a couple of vices. Discipline is when you realize that and have the ability to say, hey, I'm not going to do that thing anymore. I'm not going to do that thing anymore. And church, I'm just going to be really honest with you. I get so fatigued with Christians that have no discipline on certain things. No discipline on the way they speak to other people. Come on. Y'all getting quiet on me, man. Come on. No discipline the way they talk to other people. No discipline with the way they handle situations that are frustrating. No discipline with anything hardly. But we have the discipline to show up on Sunday morning and sit in a seat or a pew. Woo. Let me tell you something, church. If the extent of the discipleship, come on, that's discipline. If the extent of the discipleship that you have with Jesus is a blue chair, a community church, North Webster, you ain't getting it. You are not living in the purpose and the plan that God has for you. Can I be real this morning? Am I allowed to be real? All right. Don't get quiet on me, man. Come on. We're having fun. Listen, I want to be disciplined. I don't... I don't, I don't want to be cussing just, well, God will forgive me. Yeah, I mean, God forgives, but man, how much better is it if we just have the discipline not to do those things? Come on, come on. How much better is it if we don't have that? Ooh, I shouldn't have said that. Ooh, I shouldn't have said that. How much better is it if we have discipline before we make that mistake? And we think, hey, this isn't who Jesus wants me to be. I think this is something we need to think about. This is something we need to think about because I don't want someone sitting in my church living in sin in their life and, and, and something happened and they die and they miss heaven and go, well, my pastor never told me about that. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. We're going to speak about these things. Discipline equals freedom. Discipline. You want to be closer to Jesus? We've got to have discipline. Discipline to get away from some things, to set some things, push some things aside. I love that song we say, make room. We've got to make room for God to move. And that might mean we get rid of some language. That might mean we get rid of some, some whatever, some habits, like that man said, some vices, some things. We have to uh, decrease so that God can increase. Come on, somebody. I love this. Discipline erases chaos. You ever had chaos in your house? You ever had chaos? Chaos in your house is one thing. Chaos in your life is another. 
Discipline can erase that chaos. Where you feel like you're just barely, barely coming in. You barely make it to the finish line every time. And you're out of breath spiritually all the time. And you're just running, 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 running. Discipline can erase that chaos. we got to be disciplined, church. Discipline, this is my final hot take, and I want you to hear this one. Discipline is what changes you from going to church to being the church. Discipline is what changes a person from being a church kid, come on, to walking in purpose and walking in plan, to doing the things that God wants us to do. Listen, I believe fully, and you cannot convince me otherwise, God has a purpose and plan for every single person in this room, young, old alike. God has a plan. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life, what you've done in your life. God has a purpose, and he has a plan for you. But without discipline, we just kind of float through life without achieving purpose and without achieving, without following the plan of God. So discipline is important. So let's look at Genesis 27. Um, A lot of us know this story. When I was a kid, I always sided with the older brother in biblical stories because I was an older brother, okay? And so, you know, I would look at at, at Jacob and Esau, and I'd be like, man, Jacob's a punk, (laughs) you know? He stole Esau's stuff. And then I looked over at Cain, and I was like, man, look at Cain. And then I, I looked a little bit closer, and I was like, whoa, Cain, calm down. Cain out here killing folks. Listen, so... I'm not going to read this entire story. I'm sure a lot of you know it, but we'll kind of, we'll kind of go through this. But um, Genesis 27 says, One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son, Esau replied, Yes, father. He said, I am an old man now, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish. Y'all, somebody said, come on on that wild game. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebecca overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. Uh Uh-oh. It's a conspiracy. You know, Jacob, his name means ankle grabber. Ankle grabber. Esau says he calls him by deceiver later in this story. So what happens here, church family? Jacob goes and he, uh, he, he gets the goats and Rebecca cooks uh, a, a great meal. And Jacob takes it in. He puts some, Esau was, the Bible says that Esau was hairy. He was a hairy old man. And so he puts some, some goat skin on his arms and uh, some fur on his arms and goes in there and, 
And uh, Isaac must have really been blind. You imagine if somebody walks in with, like, a dead animal hanging on them. They're like, hey, I'm somebody else. You're going to call the cops. <laughs> okay? So uh, evidently, Isaac really was blind. And so let me just give you a little context here. In that, in that world, being the firstborn son was a big deal. The firstborn son inherited a lot of things, a lot of land, a lot of uh, the businesses, a lot of uh, the name, a lot of stuff went to the firstborn son. And so that was a big deal, but that's not even the biggest thing about this. You see, this culture, when he said blessing, listen, I, I love to pray a blessing over, over you guys, over my family, and I believe it's powerful. I believe that you can pray a blessing over over whatever, you know, God, I pray a blessing over my family. I hope, I hope that you, God, I pray that you bless their, them and their household. But this is a little different than that. You see, this is not just Isaac saying, Lord, bless this young man. Amen. This is something Isaac had prepared. This is something that Isaac had thought about possibly for years, probably for years. And it wasn't just something that he made up on the spot. It was something that could go for anybody. This was specific for Esau. And he had a blessing specific for Jacob. This was very, very, very important. And what do I want to equate this with, church family, is God has something very specific for you. God has something very specific for you and for your family and for your little ones. But watch what happens here. So, so Jacob comes in. Esau, he, um, he comes in and he... he He's hungry, and he says, hey, I'm about to die. So Jacob says, what do you mean you're about to die? And Esau says, man, I'm hungry. I'm in hunting. I'm finna starve to death and die. And so Jacob says, well, hey, if you sell me your birthright, if you sell me the right of the heirship, if you sell me uh, your birthright so that I can be the heir to everything that father has, then I'll give you some soup. <laughs> He's not a good salesman. But Esau bought it. He said, fine, whatever. Give me the, give it, man, give me the soup. I'm, I'm literally about to die. So he gave him some soup, and he did not die. And then here, here we go. This other thing happens where uh, Esau goes out, and he goes to do his own thing instead of coming in to, to see his father, instead of coming into where he's supposed to be. He goes to do his own thing. That's undisciplined. Discipline would have said, a disciplined Esau would have said, no, you cannot have my birthright because I'm hungry and you have soup. Soup is the most terrible thing to try to sell somebody anyway. Soup? I want something I can eat, not drink. Anyway, an undisciplined Esau said, yeah, man, sure. I'll sell you my birthright for some soup and then miss out on this other thing because I'm doing my own thing. You get what I'm saying here? A disciplined person wouldn't have done that. They would have realized, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute now. There's a problem here. This isn't what's supposed to happen. This isn't what's supposed to happen. A disciplined person would have stopped and, and said, wait, hold on. But because Esau was undisciplined, because he lacked discipline, he lost out on that blessing. And that blessing that was for him, hear me this morning, that blessing that his father had written down and memorized and prepared for him went somewhere else. And church, can I just give you something this morning? 
When we live undisciplined lives, I believe the same thing can happen for the plan that God has for us. Can I say that? I believe that that God has something for you, but if you just kind of dog around and live an undisciplined life and you say, well, you know, I'll get right when I'm a little older or that's okay if I, you know, if I do this or if I do that or if I lie here or cheat there or do this. And God, I believe that God will pull another person, that God will go to another person and that person will act in the purpose that could have been for you. Because, listen, God's not going to honor undisciplined living. I know that's kind of, that's not sugar-coated, nice, nice preaching, but it's the truth. God's not going to honor that. And so this morning, what I'm, what I'm talking to you about is I don't want you to lose out on something that God has for you. Because we're undisciplined. I don't want us to miss out on the gifts of the Spirit manifest in our lives. I don't want to miss out on, you know, listen, can I be real? There are people that are going to miss heaven because they're undisciplined. Wow, that's heavy, but it's true. We have to be disciplined. We have to be disciplined. One final thing as I close this morning is, Jesus embraced discipline. I think a lot of times when we're talking about things, when we, you know, it, we just, we used the example of Jesus when we talked about tithing a few weeks ago. Jesus supported tithing. Jesus is our ultimate example. He's our ultimate model. Jesus embraced discipline. Jesus sought out his father's will. And Jesus knew when he was preparing to go to the cross, he knew what he was about to face. And he said, he said, Father, your will be done, not mine. Wow. Wow. That's discipline. The church family, I think we have to get to that point where we say, God, I may want this thing or feel this way about something, and I may want it right now. That's what happens a lot of times, church. Can I just, can I be real? A lot of times we want something right now. And God says, wait. And we, what do we do? We jump. We jump and lose out on what God, on the fullness of what God has for us because we're undisciplined. Jesus embraced discipline. And I want to do the same thing. God, not my will, but yours. God, let me decrease so that you can increase. God, let me be weak so that you can be strong. Church family, I think it doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for 30 years or for three minutes. We can all focus on being more disciplined. We can all focus on... um, following the will of God not ours but his and so this morning what I want to do is I want to ask you to stand and we're just going to all pray together I believe we've had a a great service this morning a great gathering I, I felt the presence of God in this place and I just want to pray together all of us that we can embrace 
the discipline, the discipleship to chase after Jesus with everything we've got. Not to, not to let ourselves get in the way. Not to let our wants and our impatience get in the way. But to be disciplined to follow Him. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather here this morning. God, to, to fellowship with friends and family. To feel your presence. God, thank you for the opportunity. We do not take it for granted. God, I just pray right now, if there are those of us here that have struggled with some discipline, God, myself included, God, that you would reveal that to us in this moment. God, that we would see where we've fallen short. God, that we would see where we could do better. And God, that you wouldn't just reveal that to us, God, but that you would show us how to do better. God, that you would speak to our hearts about how to do better. And I pray that you empower, empower this church through the Holy Spirit to be so disciplined, God, to be, to be discipled in such a way, God, that there's a fire, God, that there's even a ferocity, there's a fullness that people would encounter these folks and say, wow, I know that person knows Jesus. That they would say, wow,